Writing long sentences is like adding water to tea. The more words, the weaker the message. Diana Boer. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Leasis. Today we are talking about crippling your language. We did mention last episode when we were talking about leaving stuff out that it's very common to include words that will cripple your sentence. You never want to weaken the message of whatever you're trying to say by including words that undermine what you're trying to say. I will say there is one exception to this, and that is if you have a character who that is an intentional part of their language, the way they speak. You can do that in dialogue, but it has to be an intentional part of their character because it tends to include apologizer sentences, like me saying tends to. This is one that I think both of us had to break out of when we first started writing fiction because we both came from a news writing background where you had to say things like allegedly and soften everything you said so that you can't be held accountable for what you say. This also tends to be more common among female authors because many of the interactions that we have in professional sense, in academic senses, are that we need to soften what we say because we don't want to seem too bold, too blatant. It's not always just females that do this. Males do it too, but it tends to be more common among females. Some of the phrases you can look out for and either take it out or include, depending on the voice of the character you're writing from, would be qualifiers like, I just think that. And really just at all. Just just. The word actually or really or literally These are softeners to make someone more pliable and willing to accept whatever it is that's about to say next. Actually, white chocolate is a chocolate. Sorry. Which brings us to the next word, which is sorry or I'm sorry. Unless the person is actually apologizing, then you probably should just leave I'm sorry out. And oh my goodness, I am realizing I cripple my language so much when I talk. I'm sorry, but is going to be another one. The last word in that will often accompany the first couple so that you're starting off from a weaker position in order to make your point. And the last one is sometimes. Sometimes I think that maybe we should just all have pie at weddings instead of cake. And that's another one. Maybe. Probably. All of these kind of in-between words. If you take out these qualifiers, the sentence hits harder. Just like our opener said, you adding all of these extra crippling words weaken your sentence. You will have words that are unique to you. Red flag words of your own. Every author does this to themselves somewhere. We don't often find it until we're almost done. Or it's already to our editor, and they're the ones that are pointing it out. Personally, the red flag words that have crippled my language have been it, then, suddenly, and, and at the moment, still. 
All of these words are watering down the language in order to weaken the meaning of what I'm trying to communicate. The one I probably struggle with the most would be just or the probablys and maybes. That's mostly verbal. That's not necessarily Oh, that's written. in my writing too. Really? Yes. You clean them up by the time I get to them. Yes. <laughs> I know about them, so I try to fix them. But I do have a lot of these softening words, the hedging words. I'm really bad with the hedging words. This is especially difficult when you're in that mode of trying to get out of starting every sentence with a pronoun, because then you'll add a sometimes at the beginning. When that sometimes is crippling your language, <laughs> solving one problem but causing another. If you're not sure what your own red flag words are, word cloud generators are very useful for this. You want to disable some words like the and a because they're everywhere, but you can use these to help figure out what words you use most often. Another way to cripple your language is by using passive voice. Initially, we were talking about having passive voice be its own episode, but it comes along with this apologizing for your language because you're softening your sentence, you're crippling your sentence by putting the wrong thing first. So passive voice is when the subject and object are inverted. So instead of he kicked the ball, it's the ball, the object, was kicked by him. It can be very annoying once you learn how to spot passive voice, and that's why a lot of editors go, hey, this is passive voice, stop it. But it's pretty easy to solve. You just revert those back to their proper spot in the sentence, he kicked the ball. It makes the sentence more clear. It puts more emphasis on who is doing the thing instead of the thing that's having the action done to it. Now, there are times where passive voice will be more appropriate, and that is when the object is more important than the subject. These are the exceptions to the rule. Learn it so you can break it. This is how you break it. The first way to use passive voice well would be when you need the nouns to be in a certain place because of the sentences around it. He set the flour aside and pulled out the sugar, placing it next to the eggs. Chocolate chips next. To his horror, that part of the shelf was vacant. The chocolate was used by his grandmother. That last sentence, the chocolate was used by his grandmother, is passive voice. In this case, I would allow it as an editor because of the way the whole paragraph flows to it. His grandmother used the chocolate would be the proper way to phrase that sentence. So it was an active voice instead of passive. But because the chocolate is the goal, not the grandmother, passive voice would be acceptable in this case. Exactly. The object in this is more important than the subject. Another example would be, all she needed was to put the urn under the light of a stained glass window and all of the world's secrets would be revealed. When she pulled up to the church, the windows had been broken. This is passive voice because we don't know who broke the windows. So it kind of has to be passive. Another way to use passive voice well is when the focus is supposed to be on the action, the verb in between. So instead of being subject, verb, object, 
The verb is the important part, not necessarily the object at the end. Christmas is celebrated by people all around the world. Lots of presents were opened by kids last year. Christmas is celebrated is technically passive voice. Presents were opened, passive voice. Kids open presents, but because we're talking about the celebration, lots of presents were opened by kids ends up being an afterthought. So the important elements of these two sentences are that celebrated and opened. The actions, the verbs. The passive voice puts a little bit more emphasis on that. Instead of people celebrate Christmas all around the world, that puts more emphasis on either people or Christmas. So that's just a brief look at passive voice. It is another way to cripple your language. Again, if you use it, use it well. Use it intentionally because it does make weaker characters. This is often going to be used if you had a character that was abused during developmental years. It's a defense mechanism, somebody who thinks they need to be more passive. So they're passive in the way they speak. And that applies to all crippling your language. Another type of character who might use this is someone who is naturally defensive because of what they do. My first thought is politicians. They are constantly needing to backpedal and to soften the blow of something to make it so that the people who really already like them are cheering him on, but the people who don't like him might be less offended by what he has to say. And in what we mentioned earlier, journalists use a lot of this kind of softening language in a way to pull the liability off of them so they're not straight up saying people committed crimes. Another word that we were told to avoid in news writing was accident, because that implies a state of mind by somebody who is driving or whatever. Accident implies nobody was at fault when most of the time somebody was at fault. That's spoken by somebody who went from news to dispatch. <laughs> Your homework for this series, the last bit of homework this series, is go out Find an opportunity to use passive voice well in your work. Your other bit of homework is to find a word cloud generator. There are a bunch of them online and put your work in progress through it just to kind of see what pops up. You might be surprised at what words the machine is telling you you're using too often. And if they're crippling words, especially pull them out of your work in progress in order to make those words hit harder. Just like everything that we've talked about this entire series, there are times to use this effectively. But be careful. You want your writing to hit hard. You want it to have an impact, even if that impact is simply have fun. Write with conviction. Write with power. Write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 